नमस्ते वेलकम टू दिंदू पेरेंटिंग पॉडकास्ट विद मकर संक्रांति अराउंड द कॉर्नर टुडेज एपिसोड फीचर्स अ डिस्कशन ऑन द फेस्टिवल मकर संक्रांति इज सेलिब्रेटेड व्हेन द सन सूर्य एंटर्स द मकर राशि नोन एज द एस्ट्रोलॉजिकल सन साइन ऑफ कैप्रिकॉर्न इन द इंग्लिश कैलेंडर एज विद ऑल हिंदू फेस्टिवल्स मकर संक्रांति इज सेलिब्रेटेड ऑल अक्रॉस इंडिया parts of southeast asia sri lanka and nepal but with specific regional variations in name and customs the festival is called pongal bihu lohri uttarayan or simply makara sankranti depending on where you live to help us understand how makara sankranti is celebrated in the telugu states of andhra and telangana we have with us a special guest a parent namaskaram shashankaru welcome to the podcast Namaste thank you very much So let's start with your earliest memories of the festival where did you grow up and what can you remember what are your earliest recollections of makar sankranti Yes yeah, so I grew up in Hyderabad and uh, I was fortunate though to have um part of my family from the coastal region of uh, Andhra so um you know my mom's side is from the coastal andhra region and telugu people will understand why i'm making this distinction because within the telugu states there is quite a bit of variation um so i grew up in hyderabad and you know anybody i think from hyderabad if you ask them what your memories were about sankranti i think they would immediately mention kite flying right and uh, that was my um you know memories of sankranti really are vivid Uh, around flying of kites um you know my dad side they are um third generation hyderabadis so in their family kite flying is is something that you know every generation participates in and they get very passionate about it <laughs> and we have lots of memories um yeah it's preparing... a introduction to a child i think because uh, kite flying is uh, so inherently um, you know such an active thing to do that it instantly hooks children onto the festival so it's probably a a good way to um, get a child interested in uh, this festival right absolutely absolutely so if you had asked me you know what is your favorite festival it would be a very tough call between diwali and sankranti that is how big sankranti was for us and exactly for the reason that you mentioned because kids you know for us it's it's very exciting we have our winter holidays and then um soon after you know you have your you know sankranti and um it's, it's you know the whole family comes together and does it so you're right yeah for a kid i think it's it's a even though you're not uh, you don't think of it really as a as a religious thing that you're doing but then um you know being in the outdoor and and flying kites with your family and you know the with your whole neighborhood around you and you're competing with the neighbors it's it's a very exciting time of the year that's that's wonderful what was your typical sankranti day like you woke up in the morning did you have a religious uh, a ritual that you had to follow um, because i think some of the rituals differ from place to place and even within the telugu states coastal andhra is different from telangana so that's right and and each place has its own uh, variations is there, was there something that you had to do before you went uh, kite flying maybe like an oil bath 
uh, very often these are the things that uh, uh, are celebrated. Uh, every festival in South India has an oil bath associated with it. So was that something? <laughs> It, it it was on the day of actually i think you're thanks for reminding me of these things so it was uh, but actually on the day before on on bhogi right so it is sankranti uh, is not obviously it's not just a one day affair um, there is bhogi and then there is karma after but on bhogi though kids would all come together after you take a bath and you know do your puja and then you know you all sit on Uh, you know, a few chairs, you know, in, in one corner of the room. And then uh, what at least happened in my family is, you know, we called it Bhogi Padlu. So you would get berries of a certain kind and all the kids are basically showered with berries, right? And uh, I spoke to my mother recently and asked her, why do you think we do this? And she said that it's a winter is a harsh uh, period of time. And uh, because, you know, you don't have central heating, you don't have things like that. And nighttime temperatures can fall. And for various reasons, you know, uh, maybe the viruses are also more uh, potent during that time. So they, uh, it, she said that it, maybe it's a celebration of, uh, you know, maybe warmer weather coming. And uh, you start by celebrating all the kids who, have, who are healthy and who are there with you. Um, so, but yeah, for my uh really only religious thing that i really vividly remember is the bhogi pallu part uh this bhogi pallu part also has an aarti associated with it if i remember right uh, my uh, grandmother used to shower the children the smallest children are often you know very excited by this um, berries falling all over them so they do that and then there was uh, an aarti for the children and that got them uh, sufficiently excited to you know start the day off in this way um and then look forward to the rest of the festival so typically it's a three day festival the first day being bhogi the second day of course uh, the sankranti and the third day uh, kanuma but let's uh, just elaborate a little bit more on the kite flying uh, which i think happened on the second day is that right that's right so it is happens on the second day on the day of sankranti uh it would start really like with uh sunrise right like we many times during sunrise when you have you know uh twilight period right at that time we would start flying what we called as light patang right so you would basically have a small uh candle Uh, that is attached to the string and you let the kite go farther into the skies and these lights um you know basically light up the sky so we started with that and then by the time you know it's um, mid morning i think it it starts heating up and the peak time is i guess you know when the winds start picking up um and you know and everybody's on the rooftops by mid afternoon i would say and late into the evening you would keep flying kites and uh, it's obviously uh, not just flying of kites but you're competing with the others right so you're trying to cut the other guys um kite and all the you know at least the neighborhood that i was in it was an older part of the city where you have like multiple different communities living there side by side from obviously within the hindu uh fold you had like people from different cultures and different languages there but we also had uh, lots of you know people from other religions right we had a significant muslim population living in the neighborhood and we would all 
participate in this and it was in a way brought us all together right so uh yeah. it was it was very you know i have really have fond memories of that and uh oftentimes the funny thing is you know we you know people who could afford to buy better stuff would think that look i have better stuff here and i'm i'm going to be dominating the skies but then you oftentimes you would see kids you know from the nearby slum flying kites in from in between the buildings and they would do much better than us <laughs> so it was uh, it's such a it was a way uh, to be uh, you know humbled by these people yeah yeah right because uh, skill they they learn so many things one of them being uh, skill at doing a certain thing you know you get better and better in, at an activity say like kite flying and you see that uh, your uh, fancy equipment is not necessarily going to make you better exactly exactly okay. exactly Very and you know you're doing doing things by the book doesn't necessarily get you the results too right yes the interesting thing is the community participation uh, which is what is lacking these days so it is not just a celebration um should not be restricted to family but if you can build a sense of community wherever you live uh, that creates a lasting memory for the child because of the social activity uh, that it involves um so that that's that's a take away from here i think for the parents 100% 100% because i think uh, too often um uh, you know our tradition is reduced to a few things and sometimes in you know from a very critical perspective people look at it but you know just looking at sankranti alone you can easily you can you know you can see that our tradition our culture is it touches on literally every aspect of life right i mean i we've talked about kite flying but then there is all other traditions that are also happening you know while the kids are upstairs with maybe their dads and cousins flying kites you know the you know usually the ladies in in the house and you know your you know daughters they are doing the rangolis and muggu we call it in in uh, telugu they would be doing all various other things that would keep them engaged and um you know i'm sure they have fond memories of doing that stuff too and then like you said with the aarti um it reminds me you know people would sing their favorite songs and uh, on my mother's side actually it's almost like a talent show after after the lunch we all sit together and you know someone who wants to read a poem will read a poem another person might sing a song another person might you know do a little dance you know a kid might do that so you're right i think it's a uh, it touches on many many aspects and that is i think that is to our advantage we are fortunate to have that kind of a culture where it's not very strictly religious and it's not like one dimensional at all yes it's a beautiful integration of how of arts of uh, the tradition of uh, drawing rangolis uh, which happens on the day of bhogi uh, so there's there's something in a hindu festival for every taste this is what i firmly believe and whether it is uh, food now coming to food um, every festival has with it certain traditional foods and with uh, sankranti uh, it 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 does seem like jaggery and till or sesame seeds nuvulu as we call in telugu are uh, used new rice it's a time of uh, the winter harvest and we use uh, till jaggery and new rice to make many of the dishes uh, in neighboring tamil nadu it is also called pongal so it's the new rice and foods that sweets that are prepared with uh, these uh, warming foods till also warms the body during uh during the cold season 
So for whatever uh, little bit of winter we have in India, this is a time that, uh, you know, the body could use some uh, warming up and uh, kite flying also ties into that so beautifully because you're forced to be outdoors enjoying the morning sunshine. And let's not forget that this festival um, is all about uh, Surya Deva. So I think it all comes together so beautifully. Uh, and d- did you get a chance to um, speak to your mother about the significance of this festival? Um, I, I I also know that there is a Haridasa tradition in uh, Andhra where uh, singers go from house to house, or at least they used to go from house to house, um, you know, singing songs about uh, the, the epics, I think. So um, is there... Anything more uh, regarding this that uh, that you wish to share with us? Uh, so, uh, Haridasa, she, my mother mentioned, I spoke with her just last night, and she mentioned that was a big part of it. The Haridasu, um, the we would say, they would come every day during the month, apparently. And um, on the last day, which I believe is Kanuma, they would show up to collect uh, whatever you know, people are willing to give them. Most likely, it would be, you know, if you're a farmer who is growing um, a certain kind of a crop, you would share some of that with him. Uh, if you're growing rice, then you would give a little bit of rice to them. So it was, um, you know, it was a big part of the culture. And then you also had uh, uh, what we called as uh, gangiratu, right? So a bull would be uh, decorated with, um, you know, in a really uh, beautiful way and they they would teach a few tricks to the bull and they would take the bull from house to house um eddu in telugu is bull of course so there was that and then there was you know she mentioned uh, many other such things which to me uh, the common theme there was every uh, class of people every um, part of the society in one way or another was celebrating was was um you know, celebrating through what is theirs, right? So that is the good part of it too, right? It's, you know, not everybody was not doing the same thing necessarily, right? If you are a guy who is, uh, you know, who's who's good at, um, you know, like singing and, you know, Haridasu, uh, right? So you would do that. And if you're, you know, someone who is, who's good with uh, the cattle and whatnot, you know, you would do that. Um, but, you know, the common theme is that, you know, this festival was so all-encompassing that, um, it touched on every profession, every class of people, and um, um, yeah, she had a lot to say. And I'll I'll just stop here because uh, you know we want to keep it brief. Absolutely. Um, so just to recap, there's um, the tradition of decorating a bull and taking it around. So just think about um, the child who loves animals. So there's something for that child as well. Uh, there's something for the child who loves art, as usual with all our festivals. And another important part that you mentioned that I'd like to touch on is the tradition of giving. You give whatever is in your capacity to um, to people who don't have as much or who don't get things all through the year as we do these days. So giving is a large part of our tradition that we have unfortunately forgotten. It's not just about uh, celebration as a family or celebration with friends, but giving or danam is tied into uh, all the traditions. And that's something 
which will benefit us enormously if we revive that and just think of somebody within our community who is much less fortunate. So that's that's a thinking, uh, a takeaway from this that uh, needs to be encouraged in our children too. Um, 100%. Yeah. Um, so there's something for everybody. And uh, I understand that you're right now not living in India. Um, so That's right. I live in Canada. So as an NRI, as a person who doesn't live in India, do you find it hard to keep to the tradition of celebrating festivals, specifically with respect to um, Sankranti? Because I know you have such beautiful memories of the festival that I'm sure you'd like to pass on something to your children. So how do you handle that? And... Uh, um, the weather also being very different from um, India during this time of year, at least. Um, how do you manage that? Yeah, I think it, it definitely is more challenging when you're living abroad in a climate that is, you know, that is not conducive to kite flying this time of the year. Um, and I think uh, what I find, though, is if, if parents can be a little creative, uh, they can still find that hook that will hook the child to your culture and your tradition, right? So um, like we uh, touched on before, you know, there is arts, there is there is music, there is food. Um, and if you want to talk about the harvest and the harvest seasons, there is the earth science aspect to it. Um, so I find it, uh, you know, a little difficult for sure. But then if you can be a little creative, I think it it's not difficult to get the child um, attached to the culture. What we do in our house is we we, we try to do the Bhogipallu part. We get the Telugu families together and we do Bhogipallu. And then at least in our families, we also do the Bhammalakulavu, which is basically a, a display of all the toys in your house. And you have a certain theme and you try to use the toys and buy toys to uh, you know show that theme in your house. We do that. Um, and kids, I think, you know, even though they might have different interests, I think all kids, one thing they have in common is they love stories. And I do spend time um, telling them stories about, you know, whether it's kite flying, whether it's the other stuff that we used to do as, as children. And um, I think, uh, you know, through those stories, you can, you can, they are, they'll understand more than, uh, more through stories than through like a direct, like a lecture sort of a thing, right? If you sit them down and say, hey, this is what the tradition is, you need to follow. I, I don't think that is as effective as, you know, taking them with you along your journey of like reminiscing about, about your childhood. And um, I find that to be much more effective. And last year, actually, during Sankranti, my son came running to me one day and he said, hey, my, my uh, teacher asked me to do a little art uh, project and I said, okay, then what do you want to do? And he said, hey, you were telling me a couple of days about about, about um, kite flying. How, why don't I, you know, can you help me picture that scene? And I'll do a little sketch on that. And I helped him with that. And he did a little sketch of people sit, you know, standing on rooftops and flying kites. And he sent that to his teacher. And her teacher not only liked it, but she said, look, I want to learn more about your festival. So. And he came back and we did a little bit of research and she, he went back and apparently she shared, uh, you know, details about the festival with the whole classroom. Um, so I think the point I'm trying to make is it's 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 a extra effort, but a bit of creativity is all it takes to 
get your child involved regardless of you know what they like this is this is a good point even for people living in india because very often um when the child goes to school um they are uh, expected uh, not so much expected i think it's more self inflicted um you know in hindu families that uh, you don't take religion into school and so we avoid all mention of our celebrations uh, in the secular schooling that we have in india but um, you know with uh, so much encouragement abroad uh, i i find that um, you know children abroad often don't hesitate because all the children bring in their traditions very proudly and this very is true. something that um, indian parents also need to remember and um, probably um have the children share more freely outside the house you know the little uh, particulars uh, the little um, customs and rituals that we uh, do at home um can be shared outside that uh, is a process of confidence building for the child and um it uh, people are much more open than you think so once you know um, once you know about your identity it's so much easier to talk about it and we should never shy away from it so that absolutely is- right yeah absolutely yeah that has been my experience actually yes yes um let's talk a little bit about the science for the child who is uh, of a scientific bent let's talk a little bit about the science of uh, this festival um it's also called uttarayan in many places uttarayan um is typically a time when the sun starts its north northward journey into the northern hemisphere and um apparently uh, uh many thousands of years before uttarayan used to coincide with sankranti and they no longer do because of the axial precession of the earth it's something that uh, children may want to investigate on their own uh, uttarayan meaning uh, uttar is north and ayana we we the hindu year is divided into two ayanas uttarayana and dakshinayana so uh, there is such a beautiful scientific uh, uh, term built into the names we give our festivals um anything anything that you wish to share about this yeah no i think the science part is is definitely helpful because you know it's a stereotype but i think it's it's not a uh baseless stereotype that you know indian kids are generally attracted to stem right so they are they are you know whether because of parents or because of uh, you know the environment they grew up in they inevitably end up uh, majority of them in the sciences right so i think the scientific angle to this whole festival of sankranti i think is is something that i think any kid will find very fascinating uh, not only the astronomical aspect that you just mentioned but also the the weather patterns and the harvest um festival that it is actually that the fact that india has two harvests and how both harvests are uh, critical to uh nourish and, and keep healthy a sixth of humanity in that piece of land i think uh, it's a fascinating story and i think again going back to what i said a few minutes ago if you're a little bit creative and passionate i think i think you can talk about weather science you can talk about uh, agriculture you can talk about um astronomy like you said um and you know the indian kids being uh, you know inclined to the sciences i think it would be a great conversation to have uh speaking of food 
is there any specific uh, food item that you used to prepare at home and which you um, can also uh, which you are also carrying on now the tradition of food specific to this festival um so the second part of the question what we are still doing uh, on the aspect of food unfortunately i don't i don't have much to say uh, mm-hmm. but on the first aspect of what we did as children i think two things that i that come up in my mind one is um because my family you know we, i grew up in hyderabad but this is really a very a rural festival right because we're talking about the harvest we're talking about cattle um and all that stuff that we mentioned earlier it's a very rural festival and if you look today at hyderabad during these days it would look deserted during these three days because everybody would go back to their uh, little village or town that they came from uh, because of that because you know the action really happens in in the villages but what happened in my family though is during these days we would be in hyderabad but somebody or the other from uh, from the villages would send us you know some uh, special items from there whether it is you know putare kulu or whether it is um, some kind of a laddu it would come from there and we would all share you know and the elders in the family would share stories about who sent this stuff and you know what they did as it as children um so that i remember vividly and the other thing i remember is they would make some special food especially on kanuma they would make stuff with urad uh, dal we call in telugu minapappu so they would make stuff um um with that and apparently it is supposed to be uh, you know again maybe goes back to what you said earlier where maybe it gives you um, you know a little bit of uh, warmth in the body perhaps but um, i heard that you know the day after sankranti which is kanuma is when different families have different traditions around food yes there's uh, speaking of warmth there is also the tradition of a bonfire um in different parts of india it's um, we, we do i think even bhogi is associated with a bonfire probably um it ties back into a feeling of uh, warmth that you need um in this mildly cold season in india that's right and warmth and also what what i uh, remember is uh, and my mom actually mentioned it too last night when i spoke with her is it was not a fire that people made in their own little front yard but it would be like a community fire that they would make many times like on your street you would get all the families would huddle around the fire uh, early in the morning on on the day of bhogi and the fire would be obviously you would have wood uh, mainly burning to make the fire but then you also have um you know um apparently items that are uh, not useful anymore say there is a chair or a bed that is broken from last year uh you would use all of that to burn it and uh, to me it sounded like it is a way to you know cast off your past and you know you're starting fresh right it's like because every festival you would clean things up and uh, in the house around the house and particularly for this festival it sounds like that is an opportunity people take to get rid of all the stuff that they have um that is not working anymore and then because you also have the harvest you know people are flush with money so they would go buy new stuff <laughs> uh sounds like that has been the tradition that's nice so we do see again how everything comes together um you know whether it's nature um geography it's so closely tied into the indian seasons uh, that uh, you know nature is an important part of every hindu festival 
And then there is uh, this process of reinventing yourself, which is a constant theme that appears in all our festivals, you know, the um, cleansing internally, which is your uh, movement towards uh, a higher plane of, you know, we call it spiritual consciousness today. But then there is this process of reinvention, as you just mentioned. Uh, so at different levels, uh, our festivals can be interpreted. And for the child, it is more fun with uh, kite flying, with food, um, with decorating animals or, um, you know, um, uh, making rangolis in the front yard um, or uh, the bhogi, bhogi pallu, the, the berries showered on you. So it, it does sound like um, festivals have a hook uh, that we can use to attract children. And as you progress, there are different layers that unfold, um, you know, as you age. So again, coming back to the all-encompassing nature of a Hindu festival. So everything, there's, a, there's something for everybody of every temperament. Um, so the last thing I do want to address is, um, uh, do you see um, any change now? you know, among the relatives that you have in India, you know, any feedback from them, because there's a lot of change that's happening. And um, the whole Hindu community is struggling to keep up with change. So any ideas on, um, you know, the change you have observed, any ideas on um, keeping up, what can we do to make sure that our tradition continues, and that we are not, um, you know, we don't lose everything with the changing times? Um, unfortunately, I think I have a bit of a disappointing news from my own experience here. I feel like uh, with families now spread across the country in India and sometimes even um, across the world in many cases, especially for Telugu families, I think it has become a little difficult for kids to be uh, to, for them to have the same kind of experience that, you know, even my generation had. Um, from what I'm hearing, I think my parents tell me that, you know, the situation there is nothing like what it used to be even 30, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, you know, part of the problem, I think, is, you know, families not being close by. Um, part of the problem, I think, is, you know, the devices and, you know, the smartphones and whatever and the media that people are hooked to. Um, and part of the problem, I think, is also how, um, I think, how we are thinking about these festivals i think we at least in some families we think of these as um just another opportunity to get together and that's it i think we don't um, especially in urban india i think what i'm saying probably applies more to urban places and i have a feeling that you know in um, non-urban places in, in villages and towns i've maybe it's not this bad um and you know when it comes to over here in north america my experience is that it's been a huge change like when i i go to a, a prominent temple in in canada here and uh, you know even on a major day when there is a big celebration and a big puja uh, you see a lot of participation only from people who are new immigrants or from uh, um you know if if it's from families that are that have been here for a long time it's only the parents who are there but rarely do you see their kids participating in these celebrations and that has been consistent, you know, whether it is like I, I go on, um, you know, uh, 
Ramnavmi celebrations and they do Kalyanam there and I go on that day. It's either just, you know, newly immigrated families or even families that are, you know, first generation immigrants. But then second generation is nowhere to be seen. I definitely think that, you know, it is a problem. Um, we should not end this conversation on on a sad note, but I, you know, unfortunately that is that seems to be the case. I think we seem to be uh, failing on that front uh, and therefore podcasts like this, I believe, are extremely important um, for us to think about, you know, what small ways we can, we can connect the kids back to, you know, our traditions and culture. Even if you're not religious, this is not about just the religion, right? This is about your culture, this is about your language, your food, your arts, your music. And it's at the end of the day, it's also about India. And you cannot separate the two. You cannot separate your all the things that I've mentioned, right? You cannot separate them from India. So um, I think when you lose the second generation, um, I think you're losing connection, not just with the religion, even though you might be thinking it's just a religious connection that is being broken. I think the connection to everything that I mentioned, you know, arts, music, um, you know, the geography of India, everything. Um, everything is so tightly think, uh, woven together as a package. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's so beautifully said because it's not just one aspect that we lose. Uh, and the, the losing starts with language. If you can hold on to your language for as long as possible, I think there is a fair chance that many other things will survive. And to end on a positive note, um, there are so many ways that kids can get attracted to our festivals. Uh, just giving the example of, um, um, you know, art, rangolis, for a child who's interested in art, just get them interested in rangoli. For a child who's interested in animals, talk about the uh, the Kanuma festival, um, talk about livestock, cattle, get them to be hands-on in some way, maybe using kite flying. Uh, a hands-on approach really works with kids. Um, for for uh, a kid in STEM, um, we can, um, as we discussed before, talk about the axial precession, talk about the difference between um, Makara Sankranti and Uttarayan and how they're you know, slightly astron- astronomically different. Um, and then, um, you know, get them involved in helping for a socially conscious child, uh, helping poorer members of the community, um, you know, through Dhanam and uh, make them understand that uh, as Hindus, this is one aspect that uh, that we do, but doesn't get much publicity. Temples do a great deal of um, Anadanam, of uh, giving food to the needy. So there is something for everybody and uh, you can get your child interested in many, many, many different ways. So that I'd like to think is the takeaway from this uh, session. Um, thank you so much, uh, Shashankaru, for your uh, valuable time. And we hope to see you on uh, future podcasts. Uh, thank you again. And uh, as always, um, please write to us uh, with your questions, comments, suggestions. Uh, the next time we will have another special guest on our podcast. We will talk about the Hindu calendar because it's the start of 2023. Uh, we'd, we'd like to talk about the Hindu calendar and how it's different from the Gregorian cal- calendar that we follow uh, today. Um, so that's for the next podcast. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Namaste.